Our text for this morning's message will be found in the book of 1 Thessalonians and will be in chapter 5. As you're turning there, let me just simply say something to what is going on. Any loss of human life, anyone who takes it, is a tragic, it's a tragic event, and they deserve to feel the full extent of the law. There's no doubt about that. But as far as what has been brought in, as far as racism is concerned, it's one of the most foolish things on the face of the earth. There are no races. There's the human race. We are all the same. We might be different colors. We are all the same. There might be different ethnicities, but we are all the same. There might be different cultural backgrounds, but in the end, we are all the same. And as I've said before, we are made in God's image. Each life is precious, so precious that Jesus gave his life for each and every single human being that has ever been born and will ever be born. That's how we need to view each other. That's how we need to treat each other. And so what is going on is terrible, and it is evident uh, to a lack of Christ in people's hearts and the love that he gives. There's some wonderful things said about the church. Um, Paul makes mention of it, I think, in a couple of his letters. When he says, when it comes to the church, there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no different cultures, there's no male, there's no female. We're all one in Christ, and that's how... Uh, Not only do we view the church, but we need to view humanity. Each one is precious. Each one made in the image of God and loved deeply by Jesus. So that's how we need, I believe, to to handle some of the things that are going on. That's not the topic for this morning. We will certainly keep that in prayer and and, uh, lift that up in our hearts. But I want to speak a little bit today about not letting the fire die. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I put on a lot of hard work this week uh, to memorize the text. took me a couple days, but I think I got it down. And if you want to read, it's in verse 19, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Again, I put this to memory, so you should be proud of me. It says, quench not the Spirit. <laughs> I even memorized other versions. It says, do not quench the Spirit. <laughs> That's going to be our text this morning, just a simple Four little words there, three words in the Greek actually, quench not the Spirit. So let's bow our heads in prayer together if we we would, please. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've given us and allowing us to to meet here today, Lord. I ask that you please uh, be with this time that we have together. Take your word into our hearts and that you would rekindle the fire within us, Lord, and, and help us to burn brightly. Lord, give me the strength to say uh, what you have laid on my heart. I ask for your blessing in all this. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. So, if you didn't know, today is kind of a special day. At least uh, I'm told it had to be brought to my attention. Uh, it's not one of those things kind of on my radar, but and I'm sure you've probably heard the term lately with all the press going on about churches being able to meet and many churches going back to meeting today, and that's the term Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. Um, It's kind of a big deal in Scripture. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's actually a feast from the Old Testament. And it's just simply a day or a a celebration that comes 50 days after what we call Easter or Resurrection Sunday. 50 days later. That's actually what the 
word means. And again, it has some roots in the Old Testament, but when we see it in the New Testament, the day of Pentecost, it's actually something very special. Something very important happens on that day. And it's something that has a lot to do with what's on my heart this morning. So what I'd like to do is take a look at what happened there and get an idea as we move on into the message. So if you could, turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find the book of Acts. And I want to look in chapter 2. Let's see what this day of Pentecost is, because the Bible tells us. And that will kind of set the ground for some of the things that are on my heart. So Acts chapter 2, and we can just begin reading in verse 1 if you'd like to follow along. Acts chapter 1 and verse 2, or excuse me, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is talking about His disciples. They're together, if you look in chapter 1, in, in, in what's called an upper room. They were together in this room, meeting together in one accord in one place. In verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me just stop there and describe what's going on. The Spirit comes upon them, and it manifests itself in like uh, tongues of fire, these little pillars of fire, however you want to describe them. And it shows Himself in gifts. They begin to speak in tongues. Now, that's not blabbering like gibberish. No, it's languages. It would be as if I begin to speak Russian from a certain town in Russia perfectly and fluently, and people from that town could understand me. Or if I could speak perfect Chinese or perfect uh, Spanish with the right slang and the right accent, and I didn't sound like a white boy trying to do it. It's that kind of idea. They got these tongues, these languages that they could now speak because of who was there, as we'll see in a minute. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues or other languages, other dialects, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and they were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. See? See what's going on? There's people from all around Jerusalem, all around the country, They hear what's going on. This creates a stir. They gather together, and now they're hearing the gospel spoken in their own language. Verse 7, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Yeah, they weren't held in the highest degree. How do they know my language? Aren't these just normal folk? But yet they're hearing the gospel. And how, verse 8, And how hear we every man in our own tongue, our own dialect, our own... um, accent, if you will, from where we were born. Verse 9 lists, lists all the different cultures that were there. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, Pergia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying, One to another, what means this? Well, then there's some who mock and say, well, they're full of new wine. That's when Peter gets up and says, no, no, no. This is the Holy Spirit. 
This is a fulfillment of the promise which Jesus gave to us, and he preaches the sermon that 3,000 people are saved. The sermon on the day of Pentecost. What we read here in Acts chapter 2 is the empowering of the church. It's when the Holy Spirit comes in power upon His people. It's a fulfillment of the promise Jesus said when He says, I'm going to send you a comforter and He's going to do all these works in you. Acts chapter 2 is a fulfillment of it. It's not the birth of the church here. No, the church was already in existence. That happened on the seashore when Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And he called out his assembly. Here is where Jesus fulfills the promise to give the Holy Spirit. And they are given special gifts like these speaking in tongues. And later we see miraculous healings or even some prophecy that comes along. And it's to show who they were like, yes, this is my people. There's no doubt these are the people of God. And sometimes we can get focused on the gifts. Like to have the Holy Spirit means I have to be able to speak in tongues or I have to heal. I have to be like that guy on TV who rebuked the coronavirus like 10 times and it didn't work. (laughs) Touch my hand through the screen and we'll be okay. That's what people hear when they talk about the gifts of the Spirit. No, those gifts were for back then. We have something much better right now. And that's the Word of God and the Spirit that accompanies the Word. This was a special day. It wasn't the norm in, in, in how the gifts were given, but what is normal is that the Spirit worked powerfully within His church. This church was set on fire, and man, they go, and the whole city is filled with the, the message of the gospel. The whole world is turned upside down. People are saved. People are added to the body. You can see that later in chapter 2. And the church went into the world as a lighthouse, reaching out, with the life-changing message of the gospel, full of the Spirit, full of His power. So what happened? What, do you think He left? Did He leave? Because sometimes I swear that is the case in how we act or how we think, how we treat His Word, how we treat the great commission that we've been given. Too often this is just a Sunday thing. And to be honest, we can read passages like this and say, wow, must be nice. But no way that's going to happen today. 3,000 people saved from one guy's message, a group of probably like less than 100 people, 120 actually is the number we get. 120 people did this to Jerusalem? Must be nice. That's for back then. Really? I mean, is, is that how we view it sometimes? Has God changed at all? I don't think so. And yes, this was one special day, But the Holy Spirit did not stop His work in His people, now did He? In fact, you can read the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost and see this phrase. Uh, Multiple times, Peter was filled with the Spirit. Peter and John were filled with the Spirit. The disciples were filled with the Spirit. Paul was filled with the Spirit. And every time that happens, you see the Word proclaimed and God moving mightily. God did great things because they were filled with the Spirit. 
And you know what, beloved? We are commanded to do the same thing. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 says, be filled with the Spirit. The command is no different. The promise is no different. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we can fall into a trap thinking that's some kind of otherworldly experience. Like when we get filled with the Spirit, we hear a voice and, oh, and there's a light shining down. And, and uh, it's like this some otherworldly, out-of-body experience. Or that that only happens in the church service. Like we're only filled with the Spirit when we're sitting in the pews. Now, usually that's where it starts, right? You've got the music, it draws your heart, and the preaching, and the Spirit moving, and the service should be conducive to that. Yes, it can start there, but it doesn't end there. What I'm saying is we're not to be filled with the Spirit just as church, just at church when we hear that good message or we, we sing that song that we love. We're to be filled with the Spirit every day, like tomorrow, Monday, or Tuesday, or a Thursday, or a Saturday. We're to be filled with the Spirit at our job, at our home. Wherever you are, you and I are to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. And when we are not, when we're filled with other things, like hate or bitterness, envy or worry or greed, everything else but Him, and we're not allowing Him to lead, we're not allowing Him to work, We're not allowing Him to have full control and guidance. That is called quenching the Spirit. And that's what Paul warns against here in our text. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, quench means to extinguish, literally to put out a fire. I think we've all had experience like that with camping and trying to put the fire out before we go to bed. The Holy Spirit is likened to a fire in many places in Scripture. God manifests Himself as a fire, most notably the burning bush. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the active presence of God. It is Him. It's not an it. It's he is an active living force that moves upon our hearts and He takes this Word deep into our hearts and He guides and He helps, as we'll see here in just a bit. But He's likened to a fire in many places in Scripture. And it's a fire that burns within our hearts. And I think you and I know what that's like. That vibrant relationship that we have with Him when when it's real, when everything is real. That's what the theme is for this year, right? Real Christianity. Not one that's just by word, but one that's by action, real within our own hearts. We know what that's like. We've been at that place before when everything was just crystal clear and real And we felt God in our lives. And we're told not to extinguish that. Well, can we extinguish that? Oh yeah, we can. And we're going to find, or you'll find that where we're going to extinguish Him is in the everyday. Not necessarily in a church service. Where we we quench the Spirit is in the day-to-day life that we have. Some people say, well, I wasn't filled with the Spirit because the song was bad or this was bad or that was bad. They try to blame it on church or people at church, right? Listen, I know we have room for growth when it comes to worship here 
But I've seen a lot of people saved with that good old music playing in the background. I know some of us preachers aren't TV worthy, and it makes me nervous even just to be on Facebook Live, but I've seen a lot of people saved with preaching that wasn't up to people's standard. Because it's not about that stuff. It's about the truth of the Word and the Spirit as He moves through that. It's in our own hearts where we can quench Him. It's in the everyday, how we handle our relationship with God every day that that we can quench that fire. So what exactly can we extinguish when it comes to the Spirit? Well, it's going to be His work in us. We can stop, we can quench, we can extinguish His working within our own hearts. And what is that work? Is it speaking in tongues and miraculous hearing, uh, excuse me, miraculous healing? Like when we're filled with the Spirit, do, do we hear a great wind and do we lay down and flop around on the ground? Because that's the vision some people have when you talk about being filled with the Spirit. No, it's much more deeper than any of that. It's an internal work. When our hearts and our, our minds, our very being is filled with, surrounded by, held up by, in touch with God Himself through the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us so many things, and we don't have time this morning, about what He does. I mean, the Spirit convicts us. He draws us. He leads us. Romans chapter 8 says He he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have that connection to our Father through the Holy Spirit. It also tells us He helps our infirmities. Like when I am weak, the Holy Spirit there is there to comfort me and lift me up and strengthen me. He takes those prayers that I can't even put into words and He takes them to the Father and the Father understands everything. All of this is internal work within my own heart, within my own spirit. He gives peace. He gives love. He works in us to make us more like Christ. But I want you to see what Jesus says about it. So if you could, just turn back one book to the book of John. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Let's see what Jesus says about this working of the Holy Spirit. And again, He's he's in an upper room. He's with His church. This is a, a private meeting with His disciples. And He's giving them instructions before He leaves. Because pretty soon He'll be on the cross. And so he's gathered his faithful to him, and he's, he's really, in many ways, pouring out his heart. And he gives them a promise, the promise that we saw fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Look at John chapter 16. We'll pick it up in verse 7, and we'll read down through verse 16. John chapter 16. This is Jesus, and he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Well, they didn't want that. They wanted Jesus to stay, but he says it's better if I go away. Why? For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Comforter, the one who comes alongside, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. You understand the the Spirit works in the world too. 
not just given to his church, which is the main thing, but we'll, we'll look at that in a second, but he also works in the world to reprove them of sin and righteousness and judgment, to take the message of the gospel and move upon people's darkened hearts and bring the light of the gospel of Christ to them. In fact, that's how you and I were saved, right? The Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the word, turned a light bulb on. Whoa, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Well, that's part of the working of the Holy Spirit, to convict, to convict us and to draw us to the righteousness of Christ and all that goes with that. But he also works within his people. Look in verse 12. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come, and he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore I said, he that shall take of mine shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall see me, and again in a little while ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Jesus said, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to give you what I have told you. And I don't know if you missed it there in the last verse. He says, a little while you shall not see me because he was going to the cross and then he was going to the grave and he would rise from the grave and be ascended. But he said, a little while and you shall see me. In fact, in another passage here in this, this passage in John, he says, I will come to you. We have the presence of Christ through the presence of the Spirit. That's why Jesus says it's expedient that I go away because I'm going to come back to you may not be in a bodily form, but it is in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have God with us, God in us, God around us, God leading us through the Holy Spirit. And He works within our own hearts. He moves within our own lives. He says that He will guide you into all truth. What, what Jesus is saying, He's going to guide you to the truth of God. He's going to guide you to the Word of God. That plain truth that is here. If I could sum up what the Bible says in a nutshell, it'd be this. We are fallen sinners and we are in need of salvation. We are in need of salvation from our sin and we need to be redeemed back to God. God has provided that redemption for us through Christ who came to give His life as the sacrifice for our sins. And when we place our faith in Christ, we are saved. We have an eternal home in heaven and we're now called to live a life for Him, witnessing of what God has done, witnessing of His truth, witnessing of the greatness of Christ, living for Him until we meet Him again. I would say that's the biblical truth in a nutshell. It's pretty simple. Now, the Bible spends a lot of time explaining how we live for Him and, and how to live righteously and what to stay away from. But at the core, that's it. God has saved us. We need to live for Him now. And you will find yourself somewhere along that spectrum of truth today. Maybe you need to be forgiven of your sins and you've never trusted in Him for salvation. Or maybe you have and you need to be added to His body, the local church. Or maybe you've done all that and you've known Jesus for a long time and you've been part of His church for a long time and we're trying to follow Him every day. Whatever the case is, the truth is the truth and the Spirit will lead us to the truth, to what it says here and how to apply it and how to live it out in our lives. And He will lead through that still small voice. 
He's going to lead through that sermon that you heard. The word as you read it, the word as it is preached, as he takes that truth into your heart and moves upon your heart. He'll lead you through your conscience. You know when you make a right choice and when you make a wrong choice. You know that voice in your head says, I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't do this. (laughs) The Holy Spirit leads in those ways. And you and me, well, we will listen or we will not. We will allow him to lead and we will follow or we won't. Not just here and now as we hear this message, but I'm talking about tomorrow and Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday at your job with your friends at home. You will listen to the Spirit and his leading or you will quench it. You see, it's in our everyday lives that we quench His working in us. And believe me, we have that power. The, Spirit sa- uh, the Scripture says we can grieve the Spirit, we can resist the Spirit, and we, yes, we can quench or extinguish His working in us. Well, how do we do that? How do we quench the Spirit? I think the best illustration we can use is, how do you quench a fire? How do you put out a fire? A couple ways come to mind, I think, that fits this perfectly. The first is you throw water on it, right? You want to put out a fire? Usually if I'm at a campsite, I fill up a bucket of water and I pour water on it till the fire's out. You just put that fire right out with a bucket of water. Hey, let's do outreach and let's try this. Well, here comes the bucket of, that won't work. That sounds dumb. I don't want to do that. The Spirit leads you say, hey, you need to witness to so-and-so. That person needs Christ right now. Go tell them. (coughs) Throw some, I don't know what they're going to say. What will they think of me? I don't want to do that right now. And that fire goes right out, doesn't it? I think we all know how that goes. Sometimes we got buckets ready and waiting just in case the Spirit will lead us. Because you know what? I got stuff to do today. And that conversation could take maybe an hour. So I got my bucket ready to throw it. We all know how that goes, don't we? And so we silence the leading of the Holy Spirit and we quench that fire. Listen, we can do that for others too. Listen, don't be the bucket for somebody else. You're not firefighter Joe on God's behalf to go out putting other people's fires. Sometimes we do that, right? Oh, that's so cute. Let me throw water on it. Cool you down right now because you're you're making me uncomfortable talking about this witnessing, talking about money, talking about all this stuff. You know how we can get and we can start quenching other people's fire. Don't do that. You can smother a fire. Sometimes you you think you're doing good when you keep adding wood because you want the fire to be really big. Well, if you cut off the airflow and you put too much stuff on it, it just goes out. So just pile on a bunch of stuff. Pile on a job and the love of money and cares of the world and a busy, busy schedule. And by the way, schedules that we have built. If I'm busy, you know who I got to blame? Me. I can say no. Or if I have my cares out of line, like this and this and this is important, More important to me than God. God fits in somewhere down here. Whose fault is that? It's not God's. It's mine. I placed those orders. 
And I could just pile on a bunch of stuff. And you know what happens? You watch that fire smother and it becomes just a bunch of irritating smoke. All talk, no heat. Don't want to be that either, do we? Or if you want the fire to go out, don't feed it. Just let it die. Give the Spirit nothing to work with. No Scripture reading. No intake of the Word other than when I tell you to turn to a passage. No prayer that is any deeper than rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yea God. No deep conversation where you are actually pouring out your heart as if you were talking to your very best friend or your father. None of that. And watch the fire dim and die. Keep doing those things and the fire goes dim down to just a couple coals. And you know those ones. The ones even that you've poured water on and the edges still glow and you can't get them out. Usually happens to me when I really want to go to bed and the fire's still there. Those stubborn little couple coals that won't go out. Is, is that your spiritual condition right now? Chances are we're going to find ourselves here somewhere. We've all done this. Well, what happened? Did we let the fire die? Did we put it out? What's going on in my own heart? It's not God's fault. I know that. The very power of heaven is promised to us. He says, I will be with you always. Go in my authority. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. Keep doing that. I am going with you. In the book of Acts chapter 1, he says, you are going to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand who stands at our back, who works within us? The very God of heaven, who is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. These are not nice feel-good verses. They're rock-solid promises. And God always keeps His promises. The problem's not Him. It's us. Maybe we let it die. Do you remember what it was like after you were saved? Do you remember that happiness? That total depth of joy? That fire that burned within so brightly? You wanted everybody to know what you just experienced. Listen, Jesus saved me. I want you to know it because you need it too. And You just knew how much Jesus changed your life and how much you loved Him and you wanted everybody else to be saved. And you know what? Chances are some people might have listened. And they came to know God because of your testimony. But somewhere along the line, it died out. And maybe we we got busy. Maybe we got distracted. Maybe we got cynical and bitter. What's worse is maybe we just got apathetic. I don't care. I don't care. Apathy, a lack of feeling. I just don't care. And the Spirit has been quenched. We can sit in a sermon and feel nothing. It's not that we don't agree and we don't believe what is being preached, but we're not moved. We can blame it on a whole host of things. But perhaps the problem is within And we can find ourselves going through life not giving a rip about the eternity of other people. You see, you know what heaven and hell is all about. I know. 
And we know the judgment of sin. And we know the redemption that is offered in Christ. And do we even care? Or is there just nothing there? That's not what we find in the early church, right? They go everywhere preaching the Word. That's not the instruction of Scripture. He says, don't be emptied of the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That's not what we find down through the ages of our fathers in the faith who stayed true to the Word and people were saved and the church continued. And by the way, that's not what we find in the one person, the one person who cared enough about you to reach out to you. Thank God for that one person who didn't quench the Spirit so that I could hear the Gospel. What I'm saying is maybe it's a time for revival. Now, again, we have a tendency to hear that and think of a people, a tent full of people with ro- rolling down the aisles. No. What I'm speaking of is an awakening, a reawakening, a revival, a rekindling of that fire within us so that it burns bright and steady once again. If I can be honest, I've been praying for this for myself for a few weeks now. Uh, That He would rekindle that in my own heart first and then in us as a whole. You might say, you're a pastor. Aren't you always supposed to be like that? (laughs) I wish it was that easy. I wish that... uh, I wish that it could be as people think about pastors, you know. The past weeks have been hard. They've been really hard. Not only just the cares we have in our own lives and the family, but when it comes to church and what do we do and worrying about all of you guys and things I see on the horizon, it's been pretty brutal. So I've been praying for a, a fire in my own heart. Lord, revive me. Get me back where I need to be. And you know what? The Lord answered that the prayer, the, the Lord answered that prayer for me. It just wasn't in the way I thought. You see, I thought I'd read a passage of scripture and wow, it's all good again. Not that the Bible doesn't always work that way, but I'd have this just illumination moment, like, wow, all right, let's go. Or it'd be in some sermon that I heard that would inspire me. It came in a different form. Within the past two months, I think, or so, within the two months, I've had the wonderful blessing, wonderful blessing, of visiting two older ladies. I've never met them before, but they were families, uh, friends of families who are members here, and uh, they requested that I come visit them. It's perks of the job. You get to meet people you never met before and have conversations with people you have no idea who they are. But I got to meet both of these wonderful women on their deathbeds in a hospital bed in a room waiting to die. How do you walk into that? (laughs) And you know what struck me with both of them? You know what they wanted to talk about? God. Both of them wanted to hear about God and how loving He is. And how amazing he is. About his greatness. They wanted to hear about Jesus. One of them said this. She could barely speak. But she made it clear. I just love Jesus. I just love to hear about him. 
That's it. In the end, that's, it's him. That's what this is all about. That's what matters. In those rooms, nothing else mattered. Not money, not possessions, not even their own health. They knew that they were dying. One has already passed on, and one will probably be home soon, both believers from, from what I could tell. And, and One will be home with Jesus soon. You know what they wanted to hear? just want to hear about Jesus because I just love Him. How much more simple can you get? That's the answer. For the fire that may have gone out in my own heart, that's the answer to my sins, to my failures, to depression, to anxiety, to the problem of racism, to the problems you and I face. The answer is Jesus. It's Him and His love for me, and all that He has done. I just love Jesus. I just want to hear more about Him. He's saved me. He's brought me through so many trials, so many hard times, given me so many amazing gifts of love and grace. That was one thing that stood out. They, they were so thankful for their family and all the loving people that they had known. And they looked back and, and, and would say, that's all because of Him. God has been so good to me. Hasn't He been good to us? And He's preparing an eternal home for us. And we are waiting to be with Him. That's what it's all about. It's Jesus and loving Him and living for Him and telling others about Him so they can know the exact same thing. I just love Jesus. When's the last time you said that? When's the last time He was all that mattered to you? When is the, when's the last time it hit you all that He's done? He died on that cross for me. And when has it hit you that all the people you know that are not saved are bound for eternal hell and eternal judgment because they don't know Jesus as Savior? And I do. I know the message that can change their life. I know how much He loves them. When was the last time our heart broke over that and we were moved to tell them, regardless of how they might react? Yeah, I know people can have some reactions to, to the gospel message, but eternity is more important. Jesus is more important. When's the last time we looked around at all the blessings in our life and said, thank you, Jesus? We looked around at this church and all the people and the blessings He showered down here on us and said, thank you, Jesus. You are amazing. You are so loving and so wonderful. Or have we pretty much put that fire out? And all we do is complain and gripe. And all we feel is bitterness. Looking for something more and something better. Maybe it's time to get that fire burning bright again. Don't quench the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Here's a wonderful instruction Paul gives Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Timothy, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. 
I love the picture of that. You know how I get my barbecue ready to go? I don't use one of those fancy canister things. I throw the coals down, I light them on fire, and then you know I stand there with a paper plate and fan them and fan them and fan them until they get red hot and it's ready to go. That's the picture I get. Fan that fire back into flame. Do whatever it takes to get it burning again. Because I don't want to go through life having a hard heart anymore. I don't want to go through life cold and dead when it comes to the things of God anymore. No, I want that fire of the Holy Spirit to be burning bright and steady within me so that others can feel its warmth. Others can see its light. They can hear Jesus and how much I love Him in all the things that I say and all the things that I do. Maybe we need to do that this morning. Fan that flame. Get it going again. Stoke the fire. Feed it. And pray that God will revive and reawaken you. Maybe it's time to do that this morning. These past weeks have been trying for all of us. There's worry, there's anger, uncertainty. So much to get in the way. To take our minds off of God and His goodness. Maybe it's time to strip all that has gotten the way out. And just a revival and awakening. Because we need that, don't we? I need that. Just a simple statement from a dying woman has softened this old hard heart of mine. Something so simple, a child says it. But yet so profound, I should never forget it. I just love Jesus. I need Him. This world needs Him. Maybe you need to be reminded of His love for you this morning. As with everything I preach, I can't force anything. I wouldn't try it. I can't guilt anyone into it. I simply speak about my own experiences and how I know how things go in my own life and how I can drift away. Maybe it's struck a chord with you or maybe you have a similar experience. You can hear all of this and go about your way and pass it off and wait till service is over and then finally go do whatever you've been thinking about throughout the sermon already. You can be bitter at me for saying these things, whatever. Or we can pray together that the Lord will rekindle that fire in our hearts right here and right now. In our own hearts. You, listen, we can, we can leave this building in the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled with Him. Burning brightly within our hearts. And fill the city with the gospel. Fill the people in your own lives with the gospel. It can be so that everybody who knows you, everybody that knows me, knows exactly what the gospel is because I've told them so many times. We can see a revival today, but it has to start with you. It has to start with me. And so I ask, will you pray for that? If the Spirit's leading you, don't quench it. Maybe He's leading you to salvation and to, to ask for forgiveness of sins and trust in Him. Don't, don't put out that fire. Don't throw water on that fire. If you need to be saved, pray that you would come to Jesus. 
Maybe you need to be part of his church. Maybe you've been a lot of places, but there's something different here. Don't, don't smother that fire. Or perhaps your love and your relationship and your walk with the Holy Spirit has grown dim. I say, feed that fire. Fan it back into flame. Get your Bible and let these pages turn as you read it to rekindle that flame within you as you learn of the amazing love of Jesus and all that He's given and all that He has promised. Ask Him to wake you up from all this distraction and burden that becomes almost like a a drug to where we go around spiritually sleepy and dim. I want to wake up from that. I want to be revived from that. I want to get back to where I need to be. Would you do that today? Perhaps in some sense, this could be a Pentecost for you. Not not speaking in tongues and going around trying to heal people, no. But a day when the Spirit just pours out upon your life and your heart, and He gets a hold of you, and you get a hold of Him, and you never let go. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this day. Thank You for Your Word and Your love and Your grace. I ask now that You would do the work that only You can do, Lord. Move within our hearts. Move within my heart. Rekindle that fire, Lord, that I might burn brightly for You. Remove the things that have gotten in the way, Lord. Send a revival in my heart. Send a revival only you can do I ask that you just draw us move among us freely I ask this in the name of Jesus Amen